This morning's scripture reading is from Psalm 89, 1-4 to 9, uh, and 19 to 26. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people, you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have raised up a young man from among the people. I have found David, my servant. With my sacred oil, I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him, and through my name, his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock, my saviour. This is the word of the Lord. In 1980, Johnny Lee had a one-hit wonder, and it was called Looking for Love. And the chorus went something like this, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many faces, searching their eyes, looking for traces for what I'm dreaming of. Hoping and praying I find the day that I found her, I bless the day I discover another heart, oh, looking for love. I think often in our lives, we search for something that will make us complete. If you remember the terrible movie, Jerry Maguire, there's this great, okay, maybe it's not terrible, but it's terrible in its philosophy. There's this great scene within it where he says to Renee Zellweger's character, Tom Cruise, with every bit of pathos that he can come up with, you complete me. I'm fairly certain I've said this before, even in this room. If someone says to you, you complete me, run away as quickly as possible. You do not want to be the person who completes somebody else. That is not what you were designed to do at all. But we watch that movie and we think, oh, now that's love. That's real love. That's true love. Or perhaps you're like me and you've lived life long enough to watch love ebb and flow in people's lives. And you end up being like another 70s and 80s band's Jay Giles that just walks away and says, well, love stinks. And you can look up that song. It's great. We search for love because it's something that we know we are created for. We search for love because we know it's something that we would find fulfillment in. We search for love because we know that the world can't be this awful, that there must be something out there that we can love. And more importantly, there might be something out there that could love us. 
Because in our searching for love, often it's not about us finding something to love because our hearts are fickle and we find all sorts of things to love. But it's to believe that we actually are lovable. That there's something about us that is worthy to receive that very thing that we long to give out to all sorts of things. And so we come in this Advent time as we're walking our way to Bethlehem, that place where we see God enter into the world, where God brings his steadfast love to bear, and he makes himself man in order to bring his love to completion. We come to this particular psalm. This psalm that is about David, this psalm that is being written about looking out over the Israelite nation and thinking about what is going on and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. God promised something to David. And what is that promise? And we read it there in chapter 89, Psalm 89. It says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. uh, With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever and that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, that I will establish your line forever and I will make your throne firm through all generations. I think there's something that we need to understand that we have to allow Holy Spirit to help us walk in about an understanding of what this love that God has for us, those of us who are truly unlovable. The first thing that we recognize is that God's love, this steadfast love, is a love that is eternal. It cannot be diminished. It is set in permanency. It cannot be broken because it will last forever. We see that. This psalmist cries out and says, your love stands firm forever. That's the reason why he says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. See, because of our recognition that God's love stands forever, it moves us to live lives of proclamation forever about that very love. We walk into a place of saying, God so loved the world. And in that so loving the world, he revealed himself completely. So we know that lasts on and on and on and on. We can think in ourselves how love is broken in this world. We look around and we know that there are places that we've loved something and we don't love it so much anymore. Or maybe you thought you were loved and you no longer feel that love anymore. When our fallen, broken world in this place that is fractured, that's true. That comes in and it bucks against what God's love is like. If anything, when we witness the brokenness of love in the world, it should cause us to turn our eyes to the everlasting, eternal love. Because we're walking in hope and peace and joy, as we've talked about the last three Sundays. And now we're to this place where we go, but we need love. So the first thing we see is that this love is eternal. The second thing that we learn about this love is that it is transforming. And it takes no account of who you are. 
This love is transforming. And it takes no account of your position and who you are. How do we know that? Well, we know that because here we cry out about David. This psalmist says, you have chosen David. He's your chosen one. You've made a covenant with him. Later on, it says that you've brought him out of the ordinary people, the common people. That your faithfulness has found this warrior, but it's this young man you've brought up from ordinary people. Can I turn to the book of one psalm just real quickly? This is how David gets chosen. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from becoming king of Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse. And for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come for a sacrifice of the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for him, for me, him who I declare to you. And Samuel did what the Lord commanded. And he came to Bethlehem and the elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked out at Elab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look onto appearances or onto height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees, Man looks on the outward appearances, but the Lord looks on the heart. And Jesse called his other sons and made them come before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And he brought another son. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And he made seven of his sons pass before him. And the Lord said, nope, none of those are the ones that I've chosen. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all of your sons here? And he said, the remains yet the youngest. But behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for he will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and he brought him in. And now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. We recognize that this steadfast love of God transforms and it has no regard for how you are perceived or how you perceive yourself. This steadfast love says this, I don't care if you're a ragamuffin or you are wealthy. I don't care if you're from the streets or you have everything that you will ever need. I don't care if you've been in bondage to addiction or approval or keeping the rules. I don't care. I have come for you and I will change you from finding your identity in only those things to finding your truth identity in me. He looks at David and everybody discounts him. That can't be the guy. They didn't even bring him in. Check that out. 
Now, here's the amazing story about David. David there has the spirit living within him. He has a heart that clearly God has seen. And yet David screws up over and over and over and over again. He is definitely a person I would look upon and say to myself, how is that right? Yet God does not judge us by our appearances or how we see ourselves or the failures that we think have crushed us. He looks at us as he chooses to look at us, as his beloved in his steadfast love. And he comes and he says, not only will I see you as who you are, I will transform you and change you to be who I have called you to be. So we see that this love is eternal. We see that it is transforming and it has no regard with how we see ourselves, only regard of how God sees us. How beautiful is that? Then thirdly, we see that this love is a protecting love. We see it here happening because he says, I'm going to raise up David and nothing will come against him. His enemies will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will take his foes and move them out of the way and I will strike down his adversaries. There are those who are going to come after David and God says, I will put a protection around David and make sure that he is lifted up in the love that I have for him. For us, the reality is this. Our own worst adversary is often us. We have this accusing heart and mind about us that says, God could possibly love who I am and what I've done. And so we begin to search for identities that are outside of that identity that God is trying to transform us into. Nay, not trying, is transforming us into it. Because if God is doing it, it will happen. And as he is doing that, we continue to accuse ourselves in our own minds and become our own worst enemies, saying, God can't possibly be doing this. I can't possibly be loved by this eternal, steadfast love. I'm unworthy to receive it. And the answer is yes, except that God has chosen to give his love to you, to pour it out over you to make you receive and grow into who you were called to be. It's a protecting love in that it is eternal and it transforms us and changes us. And in that, then, we are protected from our own accusations and the accusations of others because we begin to see ourselves in who we are placed in. And that's why it's important to see the rest of this passage just a little bit further along. In 89, we see then, if you see, if you, if you have a Bible, open it. If you have a device, look at it. We stopped at verse 26. There's this great point where he says, my faithful love in verse 24, my faithful love will be with him and through him, my name, his horn will be exalted and I will set his hand over the sea and his right hand over the rivers. And he will call out to me. You are my father, my God, my rock and savior carrying on from there. In verse 27, and I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. And my steadfast love I will keep for him forever. And my covenant will stand firm for him. And I will establish him's offspring forever and his throne as the days of the heavens. There's a switch here that takes place. 
Because we move from this steadfast love, this call about David, and then the the psalmist doesn't even know what he's doing, but he begins to talk about Jesus. You see, because David's kingdom gets shattered. David's kingdom gets split. Not while David is in charge. God keeps everything together there. But when David separates and he dies, it separates and it ends. It doesn't go on and on. So who's the psalmist talking about here? The psalmist is pointing us to the one who can call out to his father, which Jesus does through John over and over and over again. Jesus is the one who is the inherited king. Jesus is the one that is setting forth the line that is established forever and ever. Jesus is the person that this steadfast love that we are seeking rests completely in. Jesus is the one that provides us with this eternal steadfast love, this place that we rest and are transformed because of what he is doing and this place of protection. That's the reason why Paul, when he is speaking in Romans, says this to us about this love. What then shall we say if God is for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he has been raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our search for love, this place of finding wholeness in brokenness, is met completely in the steadfast love of God that comes and is eternal for us, that will transform us, that protects us, and is only found in Christ Jesus. That it is in that place that this little baby that's about to be born in a manger holds tight to God's mission and brings us in to wholeness with him. I think Johnny Lee's song was a one-hit wonder because everybody knew it's pointless to keep looking for love in all the wrong places. Because if you keep looking for love in all the wrong places, you're not going to find it. You have to look in the right place. You have to look at the place that shines forth what love is. I would challenge you here today to say it is in Christ Jesus that all the love that you're looking for, all the completeness that you have is in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean tribulation stops. That doesn't mean brokenness ends. That doesn't mean you're not going to get depressed. That doesn't mean that you're not going to be tempted. That doesn't mean those things. But what it means is that this love 
is protecting you as you walk that path. This love is transforming you. So those things that you want to identify with so badly that you think are going to make you complete are no longer as glorious as they seem to be because they pale in comparison to the glory that is Christ's love sacrificed for you. And not only that, and this is the best part of Psalms, it's written for a worship. (laughs) And worship you can do by yourself, but it sounds so much better when you're with other people. It really sounds better when I'm with other people because when it's just by myself, that's my voice and that's not great. God's love draws us together so that we are the ones that bring about in Christ this eternal, transforming, protecting love. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good, and all you do is good. Let us rest in your love completely, knowing that you have held us, grabbed hold of us to transform us. Father, we give you all glory and praise today. If there's anything that is yours, uh, let it take fruit in our lives, dig deep and, and, and get rooted into our hearts. And if these words are not your words, let them be forgotten by us. Let them burn up and be gone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond by singing.